So this time for God's word, and let's ask God's blessing uh, on the word of God today. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. Let's pray. Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, you're our strength and you're our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, it opens with uh, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome. They were heading to the tomb where Jesus has just died on the cross for our sins on that Friday and then he was buried. And so the women didn't get a chance to finish the burial process of Jesus because of the Sabbath day. They had to wait till Saturday was over. And so early Sunday morning, they go to the tomb and they're wondering in their journey to the tomb to finish that burial process, Who's going to roll the stone away? And then Mark says when they get there, they discover the stone had already been rolled away. And there was a young man sitting there that told them, I know who you're looking for, Jesus of Nazareth, and he's not here. And he's risen as he said he would. And then the young man told Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome that Jesus has a message for you to carry to his disciples. And that message is in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. Listen to what it says. But go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him as he said to you. Jesus' message was, go and tell my disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. Here's what I want to preach about this afternoon. I want to talk about that God will give you another chance. God will give you another chance. Here's why the Lord led me to that title. Because the message that Jesus had was for his disciples and Peter. And I was wondering, why is he singling out Peter? Why is he calling Peter by name? Why couldn't Jesus just say, tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee? What is this and Peter about? Because those of us who are frequent Bible readers, we know that Peter is a disciple. Uh, that uh, Peter's brother, Andrew, Andrew had a habit of bringing people to Jesus. And he's the one that brought his brother to Peter, uh, to, to Jesus, Simon. And when Jesus met him, he said, I know your name is Simon, but from now on, I'm going to call you Petro. I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you Rock. And we know that Peter was a disciple. And, and Peter would hear Jesus preach and teach and walk with him and minister with him for more than three years. Those of us who read the Bible, we know that Peter is a disciple. This is the same Peter that had fished all night long and hadn't caught a thing. And then he heard Jesus preaching the word and let Jesus in his boat. And Jesus said, cast your nets on the other side. And Peter caught so much fish until his boat began to sink and his nets began to break. And then after that experience, Peter left everything and followed Jesus. And Jesus made him fishers of people. We know that Peter is a disciple, but yet, when Jesus had a message, he said, tell my disciples and Peter. He singles Peter out. Why couldn't he just say, have my disciples meet me in Galilee? And not only was Peter a disciple, 
but Peter is what some of us call a part of that inner circle of Jesus. Jesus had 12 hand-picked disciples. And then there are times that Jesus would get off, and, and not with the, the other nine, but only three. This Peter, James and John, some call them the inner circle. When, uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and the glory of God shone through Jesus, and Moses ended up on that mountain, and Elijah. So you had the law and the prophets and grace on that mountain. And also Peter was there, this Peter, James, and John. And when Jairus' daughter got sick and died, but he called on Jesus, and Jesus gets to the house. Jesus put everybody out of the house except the parents, and this Peter, James, and John. And they... Peter got a chance to witness Jesus raising that little girl from the dead. And when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, agonizing over drinking that cup of suffering that would bring deliverance to you and I. And then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, this Peter, James and John, was also there. We know Peter's a disciple, a part of the inner circle of Jesus. But the post-resurrection message that Jesus told the women was to tell my disciples and Peter to meet me in Galilee. And I was wondering why. And I believe it's because even though Peter was an authentic disciple and a follower of the Lord, that he had messed up so bad that maybe Peter was wondering, am I still a disciple? Am I still considered a follower of Jesus? Am I still considered one of Jesus' learned ones? Or has Jesus disconnected with me because I had messed up so bad? And let me tell you how bad Peter had messed up. And uh, the, the story is actually in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. And Jesus, as he's approaching the cross, he's getting near to the cross, he told his disciples, all of y'all are going to deny me. All of y'all are going to forsake me, I should say. All of you are going to forsake me. All of you are going to run away. It's going to get so bad. And Peter said, these other disciples, they may forsake you. They may run out on you, but, but Jesus, I'll never forsake you. I'm not like these other people. And he said, Peter said, I'll go to prison for you. I'll die for you. And Jesus told Peter that before the rooster crows once, you would have denied me three times. And that same evening, Jesus got arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when he gets arrested, he's in Pilate's judgment hall. And people are starting to gather outside the judgment hall to hear what's going on with this Jesus and Pilate. And so Peter gets out there, and he's trying to hear what's happening with Jesus and see if he can get some information. And as Peter warms himself by the fire, a young girl recognizes him and says, you're one of those followers of Jesus. You're one of the disciples of Jesus. And Peter said, no, I'm not. I, never, I don't know him. I never knew him. And it wasn't long after that somebody else said the same thing. Yes, you are. You're, I recognize you too. You're a Galilean. You're one of the disciples of Jesus. And Peter, a second time, denied Jesus in the same night. And that young girl came back and said, I'm convinced you are the one. And one of the gospel writers said, Peter cussed her out and denied Jesus three times in the same night. Then the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered that Jesus said, before this rooster crows, you would have denied me three times. And there he was, a huge failure. All of these faults in one night. He had fallen so bad. He had messed up so much. And this is after saying that I'll never do that. These others may do that, but I'm not like that. 
all of us know at least one somebody that's so judgmental about other people and then always saying what they would not do. And that's what Peter did. These others, I'm not like them. I'm different from them. I'm better than them. I would never do that. And then ended up doing the very thing that the Lord said he would do. He failed. He faltered. And then Jesus died on the cross. God raised it from the dead. And maybe in Peter's mind, I've messed up so much. I let the Lord down so badly that I'm no longer considered one of his disciples. And so Jesus didn't want him to be confused. Go tell my disciples and Peter. I don't want Peter to think that I've given up on him. I don't want Peter to think that I've kicked him to the curb, that I've dissed him, that I don't want him to be a part. He's still on the team. And Peter to meet me in Galilee. My word to you is that God will give you another chance. You're not the first disciple to mess up. You're not the first Christian to fall. You're not the first child of God to make a mistake. I don't care how bad your situation is. I don't care how you've strayed. You can't stray so far that the love of God can't bring you back. You can't drop so low. You can't fall so low and be so low down that the love of Jesus can't get up under you and lift you back up again. Uh, Peter shows us that Jesus will give you another chance. And he's not the only disciple that messed up. In Luke chapter 22, Judas also messed up. And Judas was the one who's a hand-picked disciple, and he walked with Jesus and heard Jesus preach and teach. And he, uh, Judas had seen Jesus perform miracles, and Judas had heard Jesus explain God's word. Y'all, Judas was with Jesus for more than three years. He he more than likely drank water from the same cup as Jesus. He had fish sandwiches with Jesus, but he still failed. He betrayed Jesus. He went to the chief priests and the Pharisees and the scribes and said, for 30 pieces of silver, I'll let you know where Jesus is going to be. And I'll point him out when he's there. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, Judas, a hand-picked disciple, he, matter of fact, he carried the bag. He was the chief financial officer for the ministry of Jesus. But when Jesus finished praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, here comes Judas, and he kissed Jesus to betray him. And Jesus said, betrayest thou me with a kiss? And, and I, I know the reason why Luke put that in there. He wanted you and I to know uh, that everybody kissing on you ain't looking out for you. You got to be careful who you let kiss on you. Because some people will kiss on you with an ulterior motive. And Jesus said to Judas, betrayest thou me with a kiss? And then Jesus got arrested. And when Judas saw all that Jesus went through, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was taunted and teased, died on the cross. And when Judas saw all of that, Judas was sorry. And he ran back to the chief priests and the scribes and said, I never should have done this. Y'all could take this 30 pieces of silver back. And they said, man, we don't want to have anything to do with that or you. And then here's what it says in, in, Matthew, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 5. I want to read that to you. In Matthew chapter 27, verse 5, after Judas sinned and messed up, here's what it says. Then Judas threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. So here is Judas, who had sinned, he had messed up, but he confessed to the wrong people. you got to be careful who you confess to. He was sorry, but he confessed his sin 
to the wrong people and went out and did that which was self-destructive. He hanged himself. And then uh, it was also Peter that messed up. He denied Jesus three times, and he messed up bad, and he was sorry. But the way he dealt with his sorry, his sorrowfulness, was different from Judas. In Luke chapter 22, verse 62, it says, So Peter went out and wept bitterly. Here are two disciples who messed up bad. And one, Judas, when he was sorry, he went and got a rope and a branch and hanged himself, did that which was self-destructive. And Peter, when he messed up badly, he went and got a, a family-sized box of Kleenex and wept bitterly. It's a reference to his repentance. Y'all all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. None have done good. No, all like sheep have gone astray. We've all sinned and messed up. And it's great that you're sorry for your sin, but being sorry is not enough. Judas was sorry and went and did that which was self-destructive. But when Peter was sorry, he wept bitterly. He repented of He changed his mind and his heart and gave it back to the Lord. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm just trying to get across to you that there's a difference between a rope and a king-size handkerchief. Y'all, we need to repent. And when you repent, Peter shows us that Jesus will forgive you and include you with his disciples. Go tell my disciples and Peter. And I believe that Jesus would have forgiven Judas too, but Judas confessed his sin to the wrong people. And he ran and found Jesus after he recognized I was wrong, I never should have done this. He had all the way to 3 p.m. on that Friday. Jesus died from... 12 noon to 3 p.m., if Judas had just walked up and said, I'm sorry, forgive me, Jesus would have forgave him. But he did that which was self-destructive. And I know you may have messed up, you may have sinned, but this is not the time to turn to drugs and alcohol. And this is not the time to turn your back on the Lord. This is the time, like Peter, to repent. Repent means to change your mind. You rejected Jesus, now change your mind and receive Jesus. That you ran away from the church, change your mind and come back to the church that you turned your back on God, change your mind and come back to God. That's what repentance is all about. And when you repent, Jesus still includes you as a disciple. Uh, when I was a much younger preacher, I was in my early 20s, and I used to go to Elyria, Ohio, to do their youth revival. And they invited me three years in a row to Elyria, Ohio, uh, Pastor Henry Johnson, no relation, but Pastor Henry Johnson, the first year he invited me, and he would send somebody to the hotel to pick me up every night and, uh, and drive me over to the church. And then the second year he invited me, and I, I drove over from Indianapolis to Elyria, Ohio. And the second year he said, well, what time do you want me to have somebody pick you up from the hotel? I said, I'll just drive myself. I like to drive. I'll just drive myself, Pastor. You don't have to have anybody pick me up. And he gave me the address of the church. He said, now let me give you directions on how to get here. I said, Pastor, I've already been here. I'm from Indianapolis at the time. We were the 12th largest city in the nation. I'm from a big city. I can handle Leary. I can handle this little town. I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but it's a little city. I said, I, I've, I've been here. I'll find the church. You don't have to tell me. This is before GPS on the phone. And so when it was time to go preach, I jumped in my car. I hid. I'm in the, I'm in the neighborhood. But I can't find the church. I'm disoriented. I'm lost. And, and I felt so bad about talking about how little the town was. And I'm from big Indianapolis. I, I didn't even call the pastor. I didn't want to call him. But then 
uh, I have to eat my words. And so I saw some brothers in the neighborhood out there. And so I went up to them. I drove up and I said, man, I need y'all to help me. I'm looking for Pastor Henry Johnson's church. And I told him the name of the church. I said, man, they said, we know Pastor Johnson. That's a great ministry. Bless this community. We know where that is. I said, well, help me out then. I, I need you to give me some direction. Here's what they told me. You're headed in the wrong direction. I said, I know that. That's why I stopped to ask you. And they said, you see that police officer over there? I said, yeah, I see him. They said, as soon as he turns his head, make a U-turn right here. As soon as that police officer turns his head, then you turn around right here. You're heading in the wrong direction. And then they said, go straight for three blocks and then turn right. And they said, now when you turn right, you're going to come up on a hill. And as you come up on the hill, then you'll see a cross. And you head towards that cross because that cross is where you want to be. Here's what I want to get across to you. That there are some of us that have made some wrong turns. There are some of us who indeed are lost. And I'm going to give you the same directions those young men gave me. You're headed in the wrong direction. Make a U-turn. Turn around. Repent. And then go right. And then head towards the cross. The cross is where you want to be. The cross where Jesus died for your sins and mine. The cross where Jesus shed his blood. The cross where forgiveness is available to us. Jesus said, go tell my disciples. And Peter, meet me in Galilee. I know you've messed up. I know you're sin. I know you let me down. You did bad. Uh, but go tell my disciples and Peter. Go tell my disciples and Jeffrey Johnson, go tell my disciples and now put your name in there. I don't care what you've done, the mistakes you've made, the sins you've committed. Forgiveness is available to you. Restoration is available to you. And God will give you another chance. Let me quickly give uh, these points to you. And I hope that you get them in your head, in your heart, your mind, and in your soul. Here it is. Let me give it to you quick. That even though you failed, your failures are not final. You've fallen, you got faults, you failed, you let Jesus down, but your failures are not final. It's a trick of the enemy to make you think that now God has given up on you. Although the Word of God says, now if you cover your sins, that you will not be forgiven. But if you confess your sins and forsake your sins, then you'll find mercy because your failures are not final. The Apostle John says, if we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sins, and he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I just want you to know, no matter how bad you've messed up, no matter what you've done, that your faults are not final, that God is not through with you. God still wants to use you. God wants you to know you're still on the team. You're still a disciple. Matter of fact, in the Old Testament, it says God's married to the backslider. So you messed up, you backslid, you don't have to worry. God still has a connection to the backslider. Even though you got faults and frailties and you've fallen, uh, your faults are not final. I told you I'm going to give them to you quick. Here's the other thing I want you to get. That since your faults are not final, then you can still be fruitful. And I know your faults are not final and they're not fatal. Otherwise, you wouldn't be here, which means you can still be fruitful, that God still wants to use you. I keep making a reference to Luke chapter 22 and Jesus in Luke chapter 22 
uh, said, he told Peter, you, you're going to, before the rooster crows once, you're going to deny me three times in the same night. And then Jesus told Peter at that time, but don't worry about it, because I prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Now notice he didn't say that you would not fail, because you are going to fail. But I pray that when you have personal failure, that your faith doesn't fail, that you still believe and trust in God and still trust, have your confidence in the Lord. And Jesus has prayed that prayer for you and I too, that even though you've had personal failure, don't let your faith fail because you can still be fruitful even though you've messed up. And then he said this to Peter. And when you are converted, strengthen your brother. And when you turn around, then strengthen your brother and sister. Not if you turn around, but when. Because even though you have failed, your failure is not final, which means there's an expectation from Jesus you can still be fruitful, that when you turn around, strengthen your brother. And who better for God to use to help those who have fallen than somebody who's fallen and repented and gotten up again? Who better to help those who've strayed than someone who has strayed but repented and came back to the Lord. Who better to help somebody with faults than somebody who's had a lot of faults but repented and the Lord allows you to come back again. You can still be fruitful. God still wants to use you. Matter of fact, this is the same Peter that in Acts chapter 2, when the church was born and the Holy Spirit came, and those 120 disciples in that upper room, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter was with the disciples then, and all 120 of them got filled with the Spirit, and they all began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do it, and they were all sharing their faith. But it was Peter, this same Peter, that had failed, but it wasn't final, and he was so fruitful. He preached one sermon, and 3,000 souls got saved. That was after he had messed up, and that's my word to you and me, that when we mess up, there's a litany up here, there's a list of people that have messed up so bad, but God did more after their failure than God had done before they failed. Abraham, he, he lied and said his wife was his sister, but it was after that failure that God made him the father of the faithful and that through his seed all the nations of the world would be blessed. Uh, it, was, it was Jacob who was a trickster manipulator. He lied with his mother, lied to his father, lied on his brother. But even after that fault, uh, God uh, transformed his life. And Jacob became the progenitor of the 12 tribes of Israel. God did more after his fall than he did before his fall. Moses was a murderer. And even after a felony in his life, it was after that that Moses delivered more than 2 million people out of bondage in Egypt. God did more after his failure than he ever did before his failure. Samson was a strong man, but he had a weakness for weak women. And it led to his hurt and pain. But uh, God, even after that failure, that Samson was able to defeat more enemies after his failure than he ever did before the apostle Paul, before he became an apostle. He persecuted the church. But he met Jesus on that Damascus road and gave his faith to Jesus Christ. And even after his failure, God had him planting churches all throughout Europe. 
God did more after his fall than he did before it. And Peter, who denied Jesus three times in the same night. But he came back when the Lord told him to meet me in Galilee with the other disciples. And he was the Pentecostal preacher, preached one sermon, 3,000 souls. Guys. He did more after his failure than he ever did before. And Jeffrey Johnson, well, I ain't going to tell you what I did wrong, but since my failure and my repentance, God has done more in my life and in my ministry after I failed. Long, more than he's ever done before my failure. Your failures are not final. That God says you can still be fruitful. He still wants to use you. Tell my disciples and Peter and Jeffrey Johnson and whatever your name is, you can still meet when the disciples come together with Christ, when the disciples come together with other Christians, you still need to be in the number. Let me give you one more. That since your failures are not final and you can still be fruitful, which means that even though you have failed, you can still finish. It's a trick of the enemy to make you think because you failed, you messed up, you finished, you done, that God doesn't have anything to do with you, that you, everything is over. No, you can still finish. He that began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. God is not finished with you. Yes, you messed up. But when you repent, change your mind. Like Peter, you can reconnect with Christ and the Christians and the church and the kingdom of God and the causes of God. You can finish even though you have had faults in your life. I have run in at least five marathons, five marathons, 26.2 miles. I know it don't look like I'm the biggest marathoner in the history of marathons, but I've run in five marathons. The first one I ran in was in 2006 in Chicago. It was actually one of my favorite ones in Chicago. I ran with James Poor, a good friend of mine and one of the elders of the church now. And James and I, we trained together. Then we ran in Chicago marathon together and and we were about halfway through the race. We were at like the 13, 14 mile marker and we heard an ambulance. And James and I, we were talking as we were running, said, man, that must have been somebody that didn't prepare for the marathon. They didn't know how hard it was and they, they weren't fit enough to run in this race. Come to find out that that was not somebody who was not fit and prepared. That was the winner of the race. That's who the ambulance was for. Robert Chariot from Kenya. And at about two hours, seven minutes, and 35 seconds into the race, Robert was coming to the finish line, and as he was running, he slipped and fell. And he fell so hard that he knocked himself out. But when he fell, his momentum carried him forward. He failed, but he failed forward. And he finished the race, and he got the victory. And Robert Chariot teaches us, if you fall going in the right direction, you can still finish. You can still get the victory. Here's what I want you to understand. If you fall going in the direction of God, that God will pick you up again. Donnie Kirkin said that a saint is nothing but a sinner who fell down and got up again. And then Donnie kept saying, you can get back up again. You can get back up again. You can get back up again. Y'all, just because you have faltered, just because you have faults doesn't mean you cannot finish. Listen to what Jude said. Jude said, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence. Wait a minute. 
that he's able to keep us and then present us faultless? How can Jesus, how can the Lord present you and I faultless? I just talked about all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I just talked about that all we like sheep have gone astray. I just talked about how we've all messed up. And then Jude says that he will present you faultless. What does that look like for him when we're at the judgment seat of Christ that the Lord is going to present us faultless even with all the faults that we had? I'll close it with this, and I hope this, that you can get this in your heart. I graduated. I went to Bishop College in Dallas, Texas for my undergrad work. I, went, I got called to preach when I was 17 and uh, 18 years old. I go to, I go to study uh, religion and philosophy at Bishop College. And I, I graduated in three and a half years, but I didn't march until May 1984 with the class I came in with. And I was one of the first ones to graduate from, in my family, one of the first ones to graduate from college. So my mother came down, uncles and aunts came down, my brother's sister came down, people from, friends were coming down, people from my church were coming to see me, because it wasn't just for me. I represented that whole community in my family. And when they came to see me, Dr. Wright Lasseter was the president of Bishop College when I graduated. And, and he said, I want to present to you the graduating class of 1984. Then he began to call us each by name. And he called Jeffrey Allen Johnson. And he presented us. Now let me tell you, I can tell you now, I hope it don't hurt my mother's feelings, but while I was at Bishop College, and I graduated in three and a half years, but there were some, some tests that I failed. And there were some days that I missed class. And there were times that I didn't do the assignment. I had to take an incomplete. And there were, there were times I signed up for a class and was committed, and then I withdrew from the class. But when Dr. Wright Lasseter presented us I presented to you the graduating class of 1984, and he called my name, Jeffrey Allen Johnson. He didn't mention any of my failures. He didn't mention any of my incompletes. He didn't mention any of those days that I missed class. He didn't mention any of that. He presented me without fault. And if colleges and universities have enough wherewithal to do that, how much more shall our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when you're at the judgment seat of Christ, and he's going to present you faultless. It doesn't mean you haven't had faults and some withdrawals. You didn't miss the times you didn't miss out when you should have been there. That doesn't mean that you made a promise and you got an incomplete with that. You've had some withdrawals. But because you put your faith in Jesus and because you trust in him, that even though you've messed up, you can get back up again. That God will give you another chance. So when the disciples and when Christians meet with Christ and other Christians and the church, Jesus said, I want you to be there. You're still in the family. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. You're still in the family of God. You can get back up again. Praise the Lord.